The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. New Alberta Coalition has come out fighting against the province's plans to reopen schools on September 2nd. The Coalition for a Safer School Relaunch, which represents parents, physicians, and educators, has even called the plan dangerous. The coalition is made up of three organizations, AB Docs for Patients, the RAD Educators Network, and Support Our Students Alberta. And it has come up with 12 strategies it says will make the relaunch safer to students and education workers. Dr. Wing Lee is the communication director for the Edmonton chapter of Support Our Students Alberta. Doctor, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me today. It's nice to chat with you. So when you know we when we hear words like dangerous, that the plan could be dangerous, the way that we are moving into this, what makes it dangerous in in the uh, coalition's um, in the coalition's mind? Uh, in our mind, the safety and health of all people, um, all children of any age, um, is foremost. So when we say that the government's, I guess, lack of leadership is dangerous. We mean that this poses a real public health risk to our communities. We've got children that will be in in these classrooms that are crowded, and they are going to be going home to their families, which are comprised of parents and sometimes grandparents, and, and they are out in the community. So this is a public health situation. The um, the group has put out 12 recommendations, and I'd like to go through some of them uh, this afternoon, Dr. Lee. And, and, you know, topping that list seems to be these, you know, class size cap uh, is, the, is a class size cap for all grades and mandatory mask wearing. Now, we know in this province, uh, class size cap is not in place, um, and a lot of people are, are worried about what the classroom is going to look like in just a couple of weeks um, you know how do we cap class sizes and have space for kids to all the kids to be taught I mean that's a concern yes absolutely that is one of our primary concerns we believe the ability to physically distance is essential and it really is one of the cornerstones of the strategy mm-hmm. and as you mentioned it Anyone that's been inside a public school understands that there are there are many children in a small space, and getting around this space requirement um, is going to be fundamental to helping uh, enforce the two meter distance mandate. So it means being creative, right? It means measuring out actually what our classrooms are like, having those quantifications in place. And are we utilizing open spaces like gymnasiums? Uh, are we right cafeterias, libraries, and are there are there defunct buildings now that we can co-opt into ensuring that this physical distance can be uh, utilized and employed for all students of all ages? I- I mean, if I remember correctly, this is one of the recommendations that the opposition NDP has made as well. Yes, sure. Um, I think because the evidence shows, right, the evidence, the scientific scientific research is that one of our best lines of defense is distancing. And masking is not, uh, you know, the binary option. It's not the opposite. It's not a sufficient replacement for having adequate distance. 
But you want to see mandatory mask wearing. I know there's a lot of concern about that. People thinking, you know, how are little kids going to do that? What does mandatory mask wearing look like for the organization? Is it, is it you know, certain grades? Is it all grades? Is it in all spaces? Uh, for us, we were yes. encouraging masks when it is child appropriate. So we are taking into consideration all of those qualities that you just mentioned. And especially when physical distancing is not possible, right? So if it comes down to the classroom is going to have 30 kids in it, absolutely, the mask should be there. And I think the emerging evidence is showing that children younger than grade four, which is the current, um, I guess the provision right now is for grade four and up, but the emerging yes. evidence is that younger than that can be vectors as well. They can also transmit the virus. So it's we're, we're asking for a more nuanced and comprehensive approach, which is why there's the 12 strategies that are that are complementary and neither of them are are good as standalone right I think we saw in Ontario in the plan that was announced by the Doug Ford uh, government, um, you know, some, uh, you know, staggered approach for kids going to school, um, you, know, you know, going to school, leaving the school for lunch, that sort of thing. Maybe even, you know, some kids going to school in the morning, some kids going to school in the afternoon. Um, a staggered entry, you know, staggering the times of, yeah, I, what I'm guessing is to limit the amount of kids coming in to any place at one one point is is also on the list can you can you can you expand on that for us yes i think it ultimately comes down to how do we minimize uh the crowdedness and how do we minimize the uh children to children and children to adult and adult to adult interactions and staggering entry and the bus schedule, um, staggering start and stop times uh, or end class times is one of those strategies that can minimize uh, all these potential, um, you know, crowding of hallways and uh, just really getting into each other's bubbles, which is Mm -hmm. going to be inevitable. But this is one of those ideas being put forth that can reduce where possible. Dr. Wingley joining me this afternoon. She is the uh, communications director for the Edmonton chapter of Support Our Students. Support Our Students is now part of a coalition uh, made up of three organizations, including AB Docs for Patients, the RAD Educators Network, and as I mentioned, Support Our Students, um, known as the Coalition for a Safer School Relaunch, and has come up with 12 recommendations that you would like to see in place before our kids go back to school in just a, a few weeks. I've heard from a lot of people um you know on you know on this show who text in wondering about uh, transportation wondering about busing and the rules around what needs to happen on buses you know getting kids to and from school and about masks and about about physical distancing and are we going to have enough space on buses are we going to have enough buses and bus drivers and that is something that's definitely on the radar as well for you isn't it Yes, absolutely. That is part of one of our strategies is addressing transportation. That is a big issue. And especially we have we have students that rely on safe transportation, getting to and from school. And that includes not being exposed in, in our bus system. So we are proposing a limited occupancy to reflect the distancing mandate, the two meters, and also incorporate assigned seating. So, mm. you know, a child has that seat getting on the bus in the morning and, and that seat 
you know, when they get out of school and mandating masks when you can't, you have to, you know, have all the kids sitting close together. Yeah, I know. I just going back to the mask thing again for a second, because I'm just seeing on my text line, people are saying, you know, how do you have, you know, little kids wearing masks? I know you said age appropriate. And, you know, I, 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 I think it's fair to say that a lot of adults are still, you know, finding <laughs> challenges wearing a mask and doing right. it properly. Um, right. So how do we how do we make sure that we get the kids to do it? It, I think it comes down to to having that reinforcement where possible. You know, we, we understand that. And we've got, as we mentioned, that we would like to see family doctors and pediatricians provide guidance on this um, mm-hmm. as they, they probably have, you know, the evidence-based recommendations. Uh, going forward and we fully we're fully aware of that you know like I have I have a two-year-old and a six-year-old I understand Mm -hmm. that and it comes down to I guess incorporating that kind of culture incorporating earlier on that you know these are sort of the habits that we have to get into as we know that this might be around for a little while yet. Dr. Wing Lee joining me this afternoon. Yesterday, Dr. Hinshot, our COVID-19 update was was asked about whether or not she thought that the turnaround times for COVID-19 testing were good enough. And I think she said that uh, yeah, uh, she said you know right now they're running at about uh, two days turnaround, but she would like to see that reduced, um, especially as we get kids in school. Because boy, oh boy, if if we think someone has something, we need to know right away, don't we? In the schools, um, and you know, is is two days good enough for for your group? Or you you want to see it down as well? We would like to see that number down, especially as as we recommend that the prioritization for, for testing, there should be dedicated testing for schools. As we know, schools are hubs for our communities, right? We are sending our children and, and they should be priorities. Uh, school openings should be a priority for our health system. And we need to commit to that, that dedicated testing and so that we can prevent the spread in the community as fast as possible. Um, what about um, what about uh, the PPE? I mean, the province uh, had announced, what was it, just last week that they were going to provide two reusable masks to every student and, uh, and, and teachers. Do you think that the government should be going farther or is this a, is this a family responsibility? We, we believe that this is the responsibility of the government because in terms of equity, uh, the government has, has the responsibility to provide for all children in uh-huh. and and it really creates this disparity when it's coming down to the parents and the families right you you don't have the same i guess circumstances across the board for everybody and if you have some kids that are not able to for any reason um uh-huh. ability to find them even right even to source them uh, ability yeah. to provide the means. Uh, we really do believe um, that Alberta Education, in conjunction with Alberta Health, should provide all the necessary PPE for their workers, their education workers, their teachers, so, their staff. So- 
so let's be real. All of this comes down to funding. All of this, you know, you need the cash to do it. We saw again. I, 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 I kind of shake my head when I when I keep going back to Doug Ford <laughs> and the Premier of Ontario um, laying out a back to school uh, program that is um, that seems to be more robust. Although my brother is a teacher in Ontario and he's not a hundred percent thrilled with it either. Um, but uh, the the Ontario government saying that yeah, that was going to provide more funding. We know uh, the education minister here saying that uh, boards that uh, that's you know can can access the reserve funds but we also know a lot of those reserve funds have been used up already to balance you know what happened last year funding i mean this is going to be a key part of this and and we're not seeing any of that coming from the provincial government no we really aren't seeing leadership on that front and i will say that any government funding choices reflect their priorities and we believe children should be a priority. And the COVID-19 pandemic is a serious situation that requires resources and that requires funding to ensure the safety of our communities. Mm. And I, I'm not sure there's really any way to debate that. And we acknowledge that it, it, these strategies require the funding to back it up and to implement it. But we also acknowledge that then schools should be delayed until the resources and actual parameters for safe school relaunch as, so as we itemize can be secured because safety so should is be a priority. Del- should be delayed. I mean, and that's 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 an interesting thought right there, Doctor Wing or Doctor Lee. I know that there's a number of people that would say, you know, the kids kids need kids need to be back in school for the social aspect of it, all of that sort of stuff. We're, we're talking about impacts on 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 learning and 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 mental health as well. And I, and I get that, but you know, I, I don't know how long we can delay it. On the other hand, is we don't want kids to get sick, we don't want kid, teachers to to get sick. All of that. It's a real balancing act and 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 obviously um your organization does not believe it's being balanced well enough no and we do see that as you mentioned other other provinces are funding it right like they they are providing additional new funding that is the key you know we we hear government say there is Mm. the the reallocation but that's not that's not dedicated new funding and and we do we think it is possible it will take creativity it will take it will take some collaboration as you see in our coalition but school opening is a priority interesting stuff uh dr lee i want to thank you for joining me this afternoon and if people want to find out more about the coalition for a safer school relaunch where can they find out more info they can look us up on our website and we will have links for the uh, 12 strategies that we lay out. It's supportourstudents.ca and they can also find us at SOS Alberta on Twitter and on Facebook. All right. Thank you so much for uh, joining me this afternoon. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you betcha. Uh, Dr. Wing Lee, who is the communications director with Supporter Students uh, Alberta.